Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. Today, I am joined by Lauren Simpson. For those of you who, who don't follow Lauren on social media or follow along with her health and fitness journey, I'll have the links to her social media and all of her very valuable content in the show notes below. Um, it was a really enjoyable conversation. So I think very much like a lot of uh, other females out there that have started in the health and fitness industry or started on their own health and fitness journey. Lauren kind of went through a period where she was under eating, over training, um, which which so many of us do, including myself. Um, but she's managed to come out on the other side, and now she's using her, using her platforms to really um, help as many people as possible. And it was a really enjoyable chat, and we'll try and tee up a, a part two at some point down the track. But if you guys enjoyed today's episode, I'd love for you to share on your social media. Um, let us know your feedback. Uh, but for now, I hope you enjoy this chat with Lauren. Lauren, welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you on the show and I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. As I just mentioned, I don't do podcasts very uh, often, so I'm actually really excited to be able to chat more on here and have the listeners hear more from me as well. Unreal. Well, we obviously you and I just had a quick conversation before this, before I hit record around how you know, as you mentioned, you haven't done too many podcasts, but it's just such a good way for people to get to know you outside of just what they see on social media. And for someone like yourself with such a big following and a, and a big audience who, who clearly enjoy your content, um, I think it's just a good way for people, like I said, to get to know you a little more than what they would see on social media, which I feel like you do a really good job of already with your content. It's not it's not too kind of like curated to the point where it's all just kind of like, look at this, all these edited images. It's like you kind of show a lot of stuff, particularly on your stories and stuff, which is, which is awesome. But for those that, um, that do follow you and see kind of where you are right now, which is probably where a lot of people would love to, to be or love to get to at some point in their health and fitness journey, where did, where did yours start? Because I mean, no one wakes up one day with a shitload of followers and a great physique and everything all sorted. So so where, where did your journey kind of start? I think for me, I've always grown up with a really healthy, fit and active lifestyle. My mom was super sporty. She was probably the reason that I got into the gym as well. I used to be pretty young. I used to be in the crate as well. My mom would be doing the pump classes. So I've always kind of been around that environment. And for me, I probably got into fitness and I guess the gym for the wrong reasons initially. And I say that because I obviously um, fell in love with being at the gym and I was the typical like cardio bunny. I, I really thought that health and fitness was um, about looking thin, about trying to be the leanest version of yourself. It was about eating the lowest number of calories. It was about restricting it was about cutting food groups so like I think when I first started my journey which I'll say like consistently in the gym was probably around the end of 2014 2015 and I was someone who I love if I have something that I enjoy doing or I love I become quite obsessed with it Mm -hmm. and I think that's probably why I'm pretty good at what I do because I become obsessed and the same goes for health and fitness. So as soon as I started to get that like bit of an itch, like I wanted to train or to do this, 
I took it to the extreme and I would read up so much online. I used to read like bodybuilding.com. I used to read yeah. diet, like diet for like the week or anything that I could consume. Like I was there reading all the articles and you know what, when you just start out, you don't actually know what's right or wrong. There was, there wasn't as much education on social media as there was back then when I was posting, when I started to like share more about my journey as well. So I think I was one of those people that was just consuming so much that I didn't really know what was right or wrong. I went down quite a dark path with everything because I was uneducated. And for me, I, I think, yeah, around 2015, I fell in love with the idea of competing. Mm-hmm. And at this time, I was going to the gym so I was doing um, a lot of pump classes, actually. That was kind of my introductory to the gym because I was the typical female. I was really scared of going into the weight room and like all yeah. these like big dudes grunting, lifting weight. <laughs> and you do feel a little bit like intimidated, your comfort zone. And yeah. I am a shy person. And I think a lot of people don't know that about me in a shoe. Like I've got 2 million followers. Um, I post myself half naked in a bikini every day. I've gone up on stage in a bikini. Like, you don't really look like a shy kind of girl, but I really am. So I get intimidated quite easily. Um, but yeah, I was a typical cardio bunny, did pump classes. And from what I was reading, and I used to even search like peak week diet because I thought that that was just the, the normal thing to do. I thought that girls just ate like this if they want to look like that. And I didn't actually know that it was not healthy to do that in any yeah. way. So for me, as I said, like I started for the wrong reasons. Um, I just wanted to be thin. I didn't know what to do. Um, was eating yeah, barely anything and I became really unhealthy. And I think that was kind of the realization to me that, okay, this isn't the best way to be doing things. You shouldn't be suffering like this to get results. So I, like when I did start competing, that was, I know competing gets such a bad rap from a lot of people in, you've competed as well, haven't you? Yeah, I did about three years. Yeah. Yeah. And so I know um, comp prep, bodybuilding, it does get a big rap, a bad rap in the industry and among a lot of people. But for me, it actually really saved me mm-hmm. because I got a coach at that time because I wanted to learn more. I'm so like, I wanted to learn so much about nutrition, training, and how this could um, help me. And so I got a coach and that was probably one of the best things that I literally ever did. And I knew that at that point I had to put all my trust in someone else and to listen to them, which is really hard because yeah. you always think that, you know, best, you yeah. know, I knew my, I know my body. I know what worked for me. Like I, mm-hmm. I was really shredded at the time, but I was really unhealthy. I was eating like under a thousand calories and I'd always like open my fitness pal and try and like see how low I could get for the day. And it's such like a toxic mindset. And so having my trust in a coach and competing, like that literally changed my life. Like I can't even explain. (laughs) It's crazy how, so I've obviously had a lot of different people on this podcast that are super um, in the the health and fitness industry. And then also, you know, as you do when you're in the industry, you end up surrounding yourself with a lot of people in it as well. Male and female, it's crazy how similar almost every story is like, I, I don't know how much you know about my backstory, but mine was very similar. Like I was uh, football and basketball, fell in love with the gym, become absolutely obsessed, like an absolute nut um, and mm-hmm. was under eating, over training. Like I moved to Melbourne after school and I was the same height as I am now, but I was 25 kilos less and like I'm still fucking skinny now. So imagine, <laughs> imagine how skinny, but it's that unhealthy relationship with food. And it was funny when you were saying before about, um, bodybuilding.com and 
every single article, <laughs> peak week diets and all this shit, like the amount of things yeah. that I tried, the amount, of, and, and it kind of becomes, um, and this is why it's good to have platforms like this and educational stuff through things like your social media and whatnot is because it does become like paralysis by analysis. You're like, fuck, this didn't work in like three days. Maybe I'll go on bodybuilding.com or whatever and, and try the next thing. And it's just like, yeah, almost, I remember, I, I don't know how you felt, but for me, it was always like, it was like there was some magical formula out there. I just hadn't found it yet. It was like, maybe it would be in this, like, and a lot of the time I think it, the, this is one thing I don't necessarily like about the, the fitness industry, which is getting better now, but it was, you often pair like correlation with causation. I think that's the way, the right saying, but like you would see someone like yourself in good shape. And back then there wasn't, I don't think, you know, especially when I first started, there wasn't anywhere near as much educational content. It was more so just, this is my workout. This is what I look like. And this is what I eat. So you would look at it and you'd be like, fuck, I'll do that. And then I'll look like that. And it's still uh, to, to some extent, people still feel like that now, but outside of competing, like what was the, I guess the catalyst for you to decide like something needs to change. Like you said before you're eating below a thousand calories, which is super low, but very common, particularly in females that, that don't yeah. have that, that education there. So, you know, was it, you know, were you just feeling, obviously feeling hungry, but were you, did you suffer physiologically? Like was, I'm assuming your metabolism had dropped a lot. Um, I'm assuming your energy yeah. levels were quite low. Like what, what were some of the things that kind of made you take that step to improve on all that stuff? Uh, so everything kind of out two to three hours per day. And if I wasn't training at that volume, I used to feel really guilty for it. I was always hungry. I was absolutely freezing because I had such low body fat. I was just like really down and I'm such a positive and happy person. So when it really impacts your moods, your energy level, you know that there's something wrong. And I know that the people around me really started to notice it as well. Like I wasn't my happy, vibrant, normal self because I was physically like, like mentally I was suffering. And I think that when you're trying to be strong and trying to do all these things and I'm one of those people I don't like kind of showing that either. So you always just want to put on like mm-hmm. that brave face, but I knew that something just wasn't right. I was like, I did start to Google and read articles about like the effects of overtraining and under eating. Like I'd lost my period. So yeah. I kind of started to resonate with these like horror stories that I was reading of mm-hmm. when things go wrong, when the, when the health and fitness world like takes its turn, I was like, shit, that's me. And I think that that kind of, and also like having friends and family started to like uh, uh, realize that too. And I became really reserved. I'm quite social. Then I'd say no to things, didn't want to eat out, didn't want to be around drinking, was too tired to stay up late. So I think that that got to me in the end. And I was like, okay, like something has to change. So once you... Once you came to that realization that there, there has to be a better way, you weren't feeling good. And, you know, although you, from the outside, you probably looked great and people were probably thinking, you know, she looks really great, but obviously you didn't feel good. So what was the, the next steps for you? Like, I know, you know, we've both competed and, and I'm sure you went through like a process of reverse dieting and stuff like that. Um, and, and learning how to rebuild the metabolism and stuff. But for someone listening or for a girl or even a guy listening at the moment, who has been in that extended calorie deficit for, for a long period of time, 
what are some of the tips that you would recommend um, for them to come out of it? Because obviously if you go from eating next to nothing to bumping in a whole uh, ton of calories, you, your metabolism is not going to be able to keep up. So what was that process like for you? And I guess how long did it, did it take? And then second to that, like how did you deal with it mentally? Because I know, you know, from my own experience, when I did kind of get that understanding that, hang on, I need to be eating a lot more, even when you know that you need to be eating more and, and kind of the, it's, it's right in front of your face about what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. It's very hard mentally to change that, that mindset going from not eating much, training like an absolute madman and trying to look in the mirror every day to see how much leaner you are to then all of a sudden bumping calories up, starting to do a little less energy expenditure and whatnot. So how was that process for you? And I guess, do you have any advice or recommendations for, for girls or guys that are listening right now that, that are going through that at the moment? Yeah. So yeah, I can definitely like relate to everything that you've just said. So for me, dieting down is easy. I found that really quite easy. But when it came to actually like having to pull back, pull back on training, having to start increasing my calorie intake, like I found that really challenging. And at that point in time, like your mindset is everything. And I had to think, okay, like how I look, my leanness, my abs doesn't define who I am. Like I am so much more than just my body. It's my, the people around me, my friends, my family, they didn't like me because of how shredded I am right now. So Mm -hmm. they want me to be happy. They want me to be healthy. They want me to be feeling good. They want me to have energy, you know, like they are the things that matter in life. And that's kind of how I entered kind of that next phase of thinking that I don't have to always look like this. And it's more important for me to feel strong, to feel healthy, to be performing in other areas in my life, to have these good relationships and friendships. So I kind of just tapered back what I was doing. I knew that I, didn't want to just go from one extreme to the other. And obviously like you do need to give yourself like your body time to adjust to these changes because you're putting it through a lot. You've absolutely like hammered your body with the low calories and the overtraining. Mm. So I slowly increased calories back. And I think that's really important um, at that point in time. And most of all is just to be kind to yourself. And it is such a process. um, And it's something that you're going to be fighting with your mind for you're going to be like, okay, like I want to wake up. It's a rest day, but I really want to go to the gym because I wake up and I feel like if I don't go to the gym, I'm a failure. I'm going to lose, lose progress. If I have a night out with my friends and I eat some extra calories, like I think it's that whole like reframing things that you're not a failure. If you go over your calorie intake, you're not a failure. If you're, um, if you're having a rest day or you have to skip the gym, it's, there's so much more to life than just health and fitness. And I became so blinded by that. Mm. I thought that everything revolved around getting lean. Yeah. So I forced myself to do other things. I stopped like being so focused on the gym. Like I went out so much more and I um, reconnected with friends that I was always saying no to. So I allowed myself that time away and pulling myself back from those things that do make you become obsessed. And like, I was the type of girl that was obsessed with weighing themselves too. So it's like removing those things that are triggering. Like I got rid of my scales. I um, deleted my fitness pal for a period of time. I kind of just <laughs> surrounded myself with things that I knew were good for me and pulled back or just removed the things that I knew that were going to kind of be detrimental to my recovery. Yeah. And I often say to girls as well that 
because I understand how hard it can be mentally to, to change that mindset. But once you have the tools in front of you and you kind of know with the process, like give it time, like give it time because you'll, you, you'll see the benefits in, in a very short period of time, in my opinion. And although it can be scary at the start, like you've also got to always think like, you know, not that this would ever happen, but very worst case scenario, if you got to the point where you're a month down the track and you weren't happy with the process, then you can always kind of, uh, which is not recommended, but you can always go back to losing a little bit of body fat if you feel like you've gained too much and whatnot. And that's, that's, as you said, that's the easy part. Like for me, I find, you know, I often refer to like being in maintenance or, or a calorie surplus as the hard part. Like that's the work. That's like the preseason. That's the, Mm-hmm. that's where all the hard shit happens. Right. And then the fat loss phase is that's the reward. That's like showing, being able to reveal or, or show yourself or that's so tr- see, yeah, I always say see like the hard work. When you're doing, when you're doing a build phase, like that's where the magic is happening. Like that's where you're growing your glutes. Like when you're increasing your calories and you're training in the gym and smashing those PVs, like that's when you're building the muscle. And then 100%. when you go into the diet phase, like this is now where, all of like you're revealing all that hard work that you've put in. So like the magic isn't happening in the fat loss phase. It's like you're wanting to build, like that's where you're revealing the hard work. Mm. And I think that on that point, like as you've touched on for a lot of females out there, they're not, they're never getting that point. They're never getting no. that, that, that period. So it's like, you know, for a lot of girls in the gym that are wanting to build their glutes and, and putting in like serious amounts of work, like, unfortunately you're kind of burning the candle at both ends and it's like, you know, the, the reward for the effort is not going to be there because you're not giving, you're not putting yourself in a position to actually see those improvements first before you then get to kind of visually see them. So like that, that gaining phase is so important. Um, I think that was me. That was definitely me. You know, like I was, I was constantly living in a calorie deficit and I was, training two three hours a day but I really wasn't seeing the progress that I should have like Mm -hmm. I I saw the best progress in all honesty when I trained less and ate a little bit more like it wasn't when I was completely dieted down it wasn't when I was overtrained. like as soon as I started to yeah pull back on those things is when I did see progress I always like that's what I'm always big on like speaking to girls about on social media is that you don't like it's that less is sometimes more (laughs) hundred percent. And you know, the, the law of diminishing returns is, is very common in that scenario. It's like, you know, you're reaching a point where obviously not eating enough, you're overtraining and your body is never like, this is the thing that I found really enjoyable. So once I did commit mentally to eating more, doing a lot less, I was just like, holy fuck for the first like three or four years, I've literally been like, like, Fucking, what have I been doing? Yeah, I'm like, holy shit, I feel so good. Training's amazing. My physique's changing. My numbers are going up on my lifts. And then once you get that little bit of, um, you know, you get that dopamine response from seeing your, your physique change and, and all of a sudden like you're looking forward to going to the gym all day and it's not like you're not there because you feel like you have to be there. And that's when all the magic happens. It's a chore and you're not punishing yourself, right? 100%. So fast forward to now, I guess, like we, you know, you have um, a significant following and audience, um, you're putting out very valuable and I guess educational content very consistently. Like, I guess what's the goal or the purpose for you now and when you are putting out content? Like I know that a lot of girls do take inspiration from, 
you know, physically how you look and the shape that you're in. But I, I know, well, I assume just judging off like kind of watching your content that you put, you like to put a big emphasis on the educational side of things, whether it is with the nutrition, the training. Um, and, you know, I know for, for myself anyway, like a lot of the reason I've put it out now is so then people don't have to go through the shit that I went through and I'm assuming yours would be similar. So when you are producing content now or, or documenting what you're doing, like what is that kind of goal or the purpose with the content? Yeah, so you're spot on with that. For me, all the content that I create around nutrition, around training, it's to show girls that, yeah, like it's to dispel all of those myths and all those things that I used to um, assume was correct about like the under eating, about the hours of training, about doing all the random exercises. It's helping them not to make those same mistakes I did. And like when you think about going back and all, all the years that you wasted, well, I won't say wasted because they definitely served a purpose at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has like led to me evolving as a person, as a coach. And for me, like also like the content that I put out has definitely evolved over the last, I'd say like one to two years, especially like around putting out more education-based, more like evidence-based training and nutrition principles because there is so much BS that floats around in the fitness industry, as you would see. So I think as someone with a large platform that does have the ability to make change, yep, that's something that I'll always like take lead on. I know there are other platforms that are, extremely big with um especially like big fitness girls and they do they they talk a lot of shit and sadly a lot of girls follow these people they look up to them because of their bodies and they don't really know otherwise so i just think it's it's my opportunity to use my platform for the good on here to um kind of speak about the things that i know are right that are helpful and to lead women down a path that is going to make them feel good about themselves. And that's what every, like, everything I'm all about. I've got like my fitness app, I've got my clothing brand, and it's all kind of centralized around the fact that I want women to look and feel good. So that's yeah. kind of everything that I'm about, like the education <laughs> and women helping women feel, feel and look good at the end Love of the that. day. Yeah, and even just quickly circling back to what you mentioned before about like, oh, I think right at the start, it's – when you, for those that are listening that do start to build up, uh, you know, if you're building up a following, if you're just getting compliments regularly because of how you look like, it's so important to keep a, a very clear understanding as to, as you suggested before, Lauren, that it's like, it's not like your identity is not how lean your abs are or like your identity is not like how good your glutes look or whatever it is. It's like, Yes, people may enjoy your content. Yes, you may kind of enjoy getting like that satisfaction of getting compliments or, or recognition. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But okay. in the end of the day, it's like, fuck, you can't, you can't tie your identity with how you look or what your followers say and, and whatnot. And, um, you know, I found early on, like even when I was competing and, and I'm sure you probably experienced the same thing, like especially post-competition, like you've had, you know, months of putting out content where people are following along with how lean you're getting and, you know, it's, it's, it's all, all well and good. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, fuck, hang on, I, I'm nowhere near as lean. Um, and, and it can also almost be like hard. You almost like get addicted to the, to the fact that as bad as it sounds, like you get addicted to the fact that you're seeing that progress and then you're getting reward from as bad as yeah, this is, like what, external validation. Yeah. It's one of the, I think that's one of the, probably the bad, the worst things about social media. And I know like a lot of younger, 
girls would struggle with this. Yeah, that seeking external validation from likes, from the number of followers. If, um, yeah, if you're putting out something and it doesn't get as many likes as another post, like, is there something wrong with me? Or do I not look as shredded? <laughs> Maybe I need to diet a little bit more. And like, I have definitely been down that path many, many times. And it is like a bit of a vicious cycle. And just going back to like talking about you are not defined by your body. Probably my biggest teaching of that was I had a uh, abdominal surgery in February 2020, and um, I had an emergency twisted bowel, and I had a big operation for that. And it, it was that time where like my business was peak, like it was yeah, like coaching and everything was being amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was getting stronger. My physique, like I just come off the back of the competition, but I was going to compete again that year. This was just before COVID and everything hit, and then. I got hit with the um, emergency bowel surgery. So then like for me mentally, I couldn't train for, I think it was a couple, like quite a few months and I was bedridden for at least like four to six weeks. And at that time, like my identity shift between like, okay, like, hang on, what am I going to post on social media now? I can't post my body. I'm not even training. (laughs) So I think for me, like I really had to dig deep. It's like, who is Lauren Simpson? without the training or who like are people going to like me if I'm not posting my abs because they've just got cut in half (laughs) yeah yeah, like that was a big thing like I think like searching like for who you are not just like for the external factors is yeah such an important lesson for so many people and I think like going back to that like building a healthy relationship with your body um, with food and training it's just coming down to like fitness and being shredded having abs it's not everything and it's not who you are as a person hundred percent and and just the last thing on that i think as well is that it can't only be like you understanding that other people only validate or like you thinking that other people validate you for your abs or Mm -hmm. for your physique whatever it's like you have to understand that too it's like I've, i've definitely been to that i've had so many surgeries now which is which you know i've gotten a lot better with dealing with now but previously it'd be like I would even feel that about myself. I'm like, what the fuck? Like I can't train this, you know, back, even back when I was playing basketball and stuff, it's like, I'm not training basketball anymore. And I was even thinking to myself, I'm like, it was almost a blessing in disguise. I was kind of like, yeah, who, who even am I? Like, what do I even enjoy outside of being in the gym or like what type of person do I want to be without health and fitness or without basketball at the time and whatnot. And it's, it can be difficult, but it, it is often, like one of the best things that can happen, you know, it's a bit of a blessing in disguise, like I said, because it, it and then For when sure. you do eventually come back to posting more content or when you're in shape again, it's like you, you at least have that understanding at the back of your mind that although, you know, it's, it's, it's great to have these pictures and videos and whatnot in being in shape. And, and it is a really big achievement to, to be disciplined enough to, to get in shape and stuff. But it's like, all right, there's, there's a lot more to this shit than just how I look. One, uh, a couple mm-hmm. more things I wanted to um, to ask you, Lauren, before um, we wrap up. This is a bit of a yeah. random random question. I was just kind of thinking this as we were chatting, but obviously your partner, um, Mark, is that right? I'm correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you guys are both, um, you know, heavily into in the fitness industry. Like, how does that, how's that dynamic between the two of you when you're not working? Like, is it is it difficult to? I mean, switch off, you know, I think for a lot of people that, that maybe ride into health and fitness, maybe their partner isn't into it as much or whatever it is. So it's kind of easier to be able to alternate between the two different, you know, lifestyles, I guess you could say, but how do you guys go 
outside of work hours and shit like that, just trying to switch off from health and fitness and, and enjoy, I guess, your relationship without it all being revolved around training and, and macros? <laughs> Yeah, so that's a really good question. And it is one that we actually get asked quite often. And for us, it's about, yeah, having those things that we do enjoy doing that is separate to our work. And obviously, we both work for ourselves. Uh, we both, you don't have set hours when you work for yourself either. So mm. we work early in the morning, we work at night. But a lot of the time, it's during the days that we'll go out and do things and like we might train together here and there, but we do generally enjoy doing that. And it's a part of the relationship that it does service really well. So I think having the interest outside of just what like work and what we do and actually making commitment to separating times, like Friday night is always like our movies date night. So we both absolutely nice. love going to the movies. We love Marvel movies. We love like, just go like <laughs> that is such like a nice switch off time for us. And I like love the movies because you can't sit on your phone. Like at yes. home, I'm so tempted to just go on my phone and scroll while the movie's on. But like when I'm in there, like it's phone away, it's work away. I'm watching, we order, we go to Gold Class, we can order food, like whatever food we use, always be like ice cream and something yeah. nice. But if I'm like just like setting those little, having like that time away from things and doing things outside of like your work. And just, yeah, it's definitely important to switch off. Otherwise, it does become very, like, consuming and overwhelming, I think. And yeah, as I said, like, as people that, who work for themselves and you don't really have that set hours, like, our house is our, also the office. Yep. Yeah. It can, <laughs> so, be, it can be super difficult. I, I, I mean, I've, now compared to what it used to be, I'm so much better. But even still, like, fuck it. It is very difficult oh, when you do have your own thing. <laughs> There's fucking always something that can be done. Sure. But... Um, it's funny, like I've been traveling a little bit recently again, like with work and Ooh, it's almost, uh, it's so nice. oh, it's so good, but it's almost annoying now. <laughs> this is going to sound ridiculous, but <laughs> it's almost annoying now that there's Wi-Fi on planes. I used to really enjoy the fact that I couldn't do a single thing apart from oh like, my gosh, watch yeah, a movie or whatever. When I used to fly like, overseas to America, I honestly would think when the moment I got on that plane, I was like, oh, yes, like How good. <laughs> I can switch off. I don't have to look at it like anything, like no emails, no DMs, no anything. Like I can literally <laughs> just watch a movie guilt-free and don't I, feel like I should be doing anything more than just sitting here and doing nothing. <laughs> I know it's... um. Yeah, that is a difficult one. I think a lot of people that have their own business probably struggle with with that side of things. Um, okay. Last thing. Now I know, you know, we, we could touch on in more detail around the training side of things for hours and hours and hours, but I want to keep it relatively, uh, relatively basic. But when it comes to the lower body, so let's just go with the very generic, um, glutes. I mean, females, uh, majority of the time, females, females uh, uh, put, a, put a big emphasis on, on training the glutes. So, Although certain exercises, you know, it comes down to movements more so than specific exercises. Like for you personally, what has been, I guess, say, let's go with top three exercises that you've enjoyed kind of over the years that you can put down to, you know, really good glute development. So I think definitely like hip thrust or like glute bridge kind of movements. Um, RDL, I love, I think it's such an underrated glute exercises a lot of people obviously think like maybe hamstrings when you're doing them but um for me doing that and another one that probably gets hated on a little bit is cable kickbacks but 
Right. When you're doing them good, they're something that like, it's a staple in my glute routine. So I think like obviously working through like some strength stuff, but then like not forgetting about the, like the isolation work, like cable kickbacks and whatever else, reverse high part, et cetera, back extension. Mm. I think the kickbacks are a really good one. The problem for a lot of people is that it's not doing them correctly. Cause it is a, you know, if your technique is even slightly off, you're really not getting as much out of the exercise as what you probably could. Um, no. Yes. Well, like I said, I feel like we could just chat for ages because there's so much we could talk about, but um, I want to be there mindful of your time. Too. <laughs> I, know, I want to be mindful of your time though. So thank you yeah. um, for, for joining the show. Hopefully we can tee up another one. Maybe once um start to travel even a little bit more, we'll have to tee something up next time. You're, you're up in Queensland now, yeah? Yeah. yeah Where are cool. you based? Melbourne? Melbourne, yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe, um, maybe next time you're here or, or I'm up there, we'll have to do one in person. We can touch on some more specific training stuff. But again, thank you Definitely for your time team. and um, very much appreciate it. And for anyone who isn't following Lauren, which is probably a short list, um, I'll have the links to her socials and whatnot in the, in the show notes below. Um, and if you've enjoyed this episode, please do take a screenshot of this one, share it on your story for us, tag myself and Lauren. We'd love to hear your feedback. Um, but enjoy the rest yeah. of your day. And yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for Absolute having me, guys. And yes, tag us in if you were listening. <laughs> awesome. Bye. Thanks so much.